I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we'll be reading Leviticus chapters 19 through 21. In chapter 19, we see a whole string of Levitical laws. Verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speaking to all the children of Israel, and saying to them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths, I am the Lord your God. Turn ye not into idols, nor make to yourselves molten gods, I am the Lord your God. And if ye offer a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord, ye shall offer it at your own will. It shall be eaten the same day ye offer it, and on the morrow, and if aught remain until the third day, it shall be burnt in the fire. And if it be eaten at all on the third day, it is abominable, it shall not be accepted. Therefore every one that eateth it shall bear his iniquity, because he hath profaned the hallowed thing of the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. And when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of the harvest. And thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard, and thou shalt leave them for the poor, and stranger, I am the Lord your God. Ye shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. And ye shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God, for I am the Lord." Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind. But shalt fear thy God, I am the Lord. He shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. But in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor, I am the Lord. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart, thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor, and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, I am the Lord. He shall keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let thy cattle gender with a diverse kind. Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon thee. And whosoever liveth carnally with a woman, that is a bondmaid, betrothed to an husband, and not at all redeemed nor freedom given her, she shall be scourged. They shall not be put to death, because she was not free." And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, even a ram for a trespass offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering before the Lord for his sin which he hath done, and the sin which he hath done shall be forgiven him. And we shall come into the land, and shall have planted all manner of trees for food. Then he shall count the fruit thereof as uncircumcised. Three years shall it be as uncircumcised unto you, it shall not be eaten of. But in the fourth year all the fruit thereof shall be holy to praise the Lord withal. And in the fifth year shall ye eat of the fruit thereof, that it may yield unto you the increase thereof. I am the Lord your God. 
Ye shall not eat anything with the blood, neither shall ye use enchantment, nor observe times. Ye shall not round the corners of your heads, neither shalt thou mar the corners of thy beard. Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. Do not prostitute thy daughter, to cause her to be a whore, lest the land fall to whoredom, and the land become full of wickedness. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths, and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards, to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head, and honor the face of the old man, and fear thy God. I am the Lord. And if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, ye shall not vex him. But the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in meteard, in weight, or in measure. Just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hen shall ye have. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe all my statutes and all my judgments, and do them. I am the Lord. Now, many believers simply don't understand the magnitude of what it means to keep the law of Moses. They think that simply keeping the Ten Commandments is sufficient to meet the requirements. Ironically, however, virtually all who hold that belief keep only nine of the Ten Commandments anyway, declining to observe the Sabbath day. That's commandment number four. The New Testament scriptures are very clear. The New Testament believer is not bound by the law of Moses. It was clearly given to the Jews and not Gentile believers. That's a point that's clearly asserted at the conclusion of the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. Well, this chapter of Leviticus is just oozing with additional requirements for the Jews. Now, take a look at the string of laws found in chapter 19. And these, I mean, are as equally as binding as any other law. So here's what we have. Honor mother and father, verse 3. Keep the Sabbath, verse 3 and 30. Stay away from idols, verse 4. Eat your peace offerings within two days, verses 5 through 8. No reaping the corners of your fields or crops, uh, verse 9. That's to leave something for the poor, also seen in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 19 to 22. As a matter of fact, Ruth took advantage of that very provision in Ruth chapter 2. No taking all the fruit out of your vineyard, verse 10. That's for the same reason as we see in verse 9. No stealing, dealing falsely, or lying to one another, verse 11. No swearing by or profaning God, verse 12. This actually strengthens the third commandment of not taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Refusing to honor an oath where the name of the Lord thy God is invoked is in view in this passage. No defrauding, verse 13. No taking advantage of the deaf or blind, verse 14. No showing partiality to rich or poor, verse 15. No bearing tales, verse 16. No hating your brother or neighbor, verse 17. No grudges or vengeance against your neighbor, verse 18. You'll notice the stipulation says, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This was proclaimed by Jesus to summarize the second half of the law of Moses when he said that in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. No cross-breeding, verse 19. We don't know why. The reason is not specified. No seed mingling in verse 19. Again, the reason is not specified, although it is restated in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 9. No wearing fabrics with linen and wool mixture, verse 19. Again, the reason is not specified, although it is restated in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 11. 
We find uh, laws on how to treat illicit sexual relationships with a slave girl in verses 20 to 22. No eating the fruit of a new tree for the first four years, verses 23 to 25. No blood consumption, 26. No psychic soothsayer witch activity in verses 26 and 31. No sideburns, verse 27. Apparently that was to avoid mimicking a predominant heathen practice in their day. No flesh cutting, piercings, or tattoos in verse 28. Now, Leviticus chapter 21, verses 4 and 5 restates this. It was apparently a practice of a heathen worship back then. Jezebel's priest of Baal, if you recall, cut themselves in 1 Kings 18, verses 20 to 46. And that was in an attempt to get their false gods to assist them. No prostituting your daughters, verse 29. Keeping the Sabbaths, in verse 30. Stay away from witches, verse 31. Honor the elderly, verse 32. Be nice to foreigners, 33 and 34. And finally, don't cheat in business, verses 35 and 36. Notice how exhaustive the law of Moses is. It's way more than a handful of universally accepted laws of righteousness. Orthodox Jews today typically count 613 commandments, not just the Ten Commandments most people are accustomed to seeing. However, I should point out that many of the commandments given here would receive resounding cheers among believers today. Read the list in Leviticus 19 and pick out some of the ones that you fully embrace. But why not all of them? An important mission of mine, as I come in on the Old Testament, is to help New Testament believers acquire perspective on the mandates God gave the Hebrews. This perspective seems to be lacking with many Christians today. On the one hand, they believe that they're responsible to embrace and practice God's commands in the Old Testament as evidence of their love for God. But then on the other hand, they'll dismiss most of the mandates of chapters like Leviticus 19 here as being irrelevant today. Well, here's the problem. How do you decide while picking through the mandates of the Old Testament law which ones are relevant and which ones are irrelevant? Most would agree that Leviticus 19 addresses some particular cultural problems that faced the Hebrews back then, which for the most part don't really exist today. However, Mixed in with these laws are some ever-enduring principles that seem culturally independent. So what's the answer? I generally start at the same point in this discussion every time we talk about it. That's the Ten Commandments of Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. Virtually all Christians who lack a perspective on the Mosaic Law agree that today's Christians are at least responsible for keeping the Ten Commandments. Therefore, this provides a really nice starting place for our discussion. However, immediately, commandment number four begins to cause problems for today's believers. Well, let's look at both passages regarding this commandment. Here's what we find in Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 8 down through verse 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now let's look at this commandment, the fourth commandment. From Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning with verse 12 down through verse 15. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, 
nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. Whoa! Look at how many verses here are devoted to just that one of the Ten Commandments. As a matter of fact, there are over three dozen references to Sabbath day observance in just the first five books of the Bible. So to what extent did God command Israel to enforce this particular commandment regarding the sacred nature of Saturday, the seventh day of the week? Well, just look at Numbers chapter 15, verses 32 to 36. Here's what happened. A man was observed gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. They caught that man who was picking up some firewood and locked him up pending God's counsel on what to do with the man. God gave them specific instructions to listen stone him to death. So here's my question. If you believe that Christians today are responsible for keeping the Ten Commandments as God gave them, why have you spent your whole life disregarding commandment number four? And that's a commandment taken so seriously in Israel as to result in one's execution. Listen, here's the deal. The Mosaic Law constituted the government of the nation of Israel. It was neither intended to provide a way to salvation nor was it a way of staying righteous after salvation. Many preachers today feel they need a hammer, like the Ten Commandments, to keep folks from evil. But contrary-wise, it's just really important that believers understand the grace bestowed upon New Testament Christians. Romans 8.2 says that our law is written in our hearts today because God dwells in saved people. 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 17 and 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 both explain that God dwells in people, not buildings like in the Old Testament. Because we have the Holy Spirit inside, James four seventeen becomes the benchmark for sin. And that verse says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, doeth it not to him it is sin. In other words, we're not made or kept righteous by keeping any of the Old Testament commandments. We're made righteous before God by our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. We abstain from sin by responding to the Holy Spirit's leadership in our lives, not by complying with external commandments. Jesus himself told us in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, that he'd come to fulfill the law. Paul completely developed this concept and specifically mentions the implication of Christ's death on the cross when he tells us in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 7 and 11, that with regard to believers, the law has been done away. Colossians 2.14 says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. The secret of success in the Christian walk is not the Ten Commandments. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of each of us. Now, maybe you're still not convinced. Well, consider this. Gentiles were not required to keep the law of Moses as far back as Acts chapter 15, and that was stated in a decree from the Council of Jerusalem. When Paul and Barnabas returned to Jerusalem to defend their teaching that Gentile believers are not obligated to the law of Moses, and that, by the way, is including the Ten Commandments, the church at Jerusalem issued a decree at the end of their meeting. To summarize, here's what the decree from the apostles in the early church stated. 
Gentile believers do not need to observe the law of Moses. I don't make the news, I just report it. How can something so clearly stated still be so widely misunderstood by believers who attend church every week? Well, I suspect that somebody's just not studying Scripture in context. Then we have a whole category of sinister sins in Leviticus chapter 20. Let's begin reading with verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Again thou shalt say to the children of Israel, Whosoever he be of the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel, that giveth any of his seed unto Moloch, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. And I will set my face against that man, and will cut him off from among his people, because he hath given of his seed unto Moloch, to defile my sanctuary, and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do in any ways hide their eyes from the man, when he giveth of his seed unto Moloch, and kill him not, then I will set my face against that man, and against his family, and will cut him off. And all that go a-whoring after him, to commit whoredom with Moloch from among their people. And the soul that turneth after such, as have familiar spirits, and after wizards, to go a-whoring after them, I will even set my face against that soul, and will cut him off from among his people." Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God. And ye shall keep my statutes, and do them. I am the Lord which sanctify you. For everyone that curseth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. He hath cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, shall surely be put to death. And the man that lieth with his father's wife hath uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And if a man lie with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have wrought confusion. Their blood shall be upon them. If a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And if a man take a wife and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burnt with fire, both he and they, that there be no wickedness among you. And if a man lie with a beast, he shall surely be put to death, and ye shall slay the beast. And if a woman approach unto any beast, and lie down thereto, thou shalt kill the woman and the beast. They shall surely be put to death, their blood shall be upon them. And if a man shall take his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and see her nakedness, and she see his nakedness, it is a wicked thing, and they shall be cut off from the sight of the people. He hath uncovered his sister's nakedness, he shall bear his iniquity. And if a man shall lie with a woman having her sickness, and shall uncover her nakedness, he hath discovered her fountain, and she hath uncovered the fountain of her blood, and both of them shall be cut off from among their people. And thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy mother's sister, nor of thy father's sister, for he uncovereth his near kin. They shall bear their iniquity. And if a man shall lie with his uncle's wife, he hath uncovered his uncle's nakedness. They shall bear their sin, they shall die childless. And if a man shall take his brother's wife, it is an unclean thing. He hath uncovered his brother's nakedness, they shall be childless. Ye shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments, and do them, that the land whither I bring you to dwell therein spew you not out. And ye shall not walk in the manners of the nations which I cast out before you. For they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred them. But I said unto you, Ye shall inherit their land, and I will give it unto you to possess it, a land that floweth with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from other people. 
He shall therefore put difference between clean beast and unclean, and between unclean fowls and clean. And he shall not make your souls abominable by beast, or by fowl, or by any manner of living thing that creepeth on the ground, which I have separated from you as unclean. And ye shall be holy unto me, for I the Lord am holy, and have severed you from other people, that ye should be mine. A man also, or a woman, that hath a familiar spirit, or that is a wizard, shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Chapter 20 is much like what we saw back in Leviticus chapter 18. However, the punishments for violations weren't specified in chapter 18 for most of these offenses. And well, in this chapter, they are, though. Notice these provisions of the law of Moses found in chapter 20 here. First of all, we have some stipulations regarding the worship of Moloch in verses 1 through 5. No wizards, as in psychics or fortune tellers, so forth, in verses 6 through 8, also verse 27. Cursing one's father or mother results in a death sentence in verse 9. And adultery, yep, death sentence, verse 10. And then as outlined in Leviticus chapter 18, none of the following uh, family-type sexual relationships are to be tolerated. Man with a stepmother, execution, verse 11. A man with his daughter-in-law, in verse 12, execution. Homosexual relationships, yep, execution, verse 13. A wife and his wife's mother, well, execution by fire, verse 14. Bestiality, execution, verses 15 and 16. A man with his stepsister says, cut off from the sight of his people, in verse 17. Relationship with a woman while having her menstrual cycle, verse 18 says, cut off from among their people. A man with his aunt, exact punishment here is unclear, but it's seen in verse 19. A man with his uncle's wife, again, the exact punishment is not clear in verse 20. And then finally, a man with his brother's wife. And once again, the exact punishment is not clear in verse 21. Now, it's not exactly known what cut off means in verses 17 and 18. Sometimes the context of other passages where this term is used in the Old Testament demonstrate that it means execution. But other times it would seem to indicate exile from the nation. God identifies these pagan practices as reasons why he destroyed or would destroy heathen nations who were heavily involved in these practices of sexual atrocities and human sacrifice. That's the sacrifice to Moloch. Moloch actually gets the first five verses of this chapter. It's worth noting that Solomon allowed the worship of pagan gods to creep back into the life of Israel during his reign. As a matter of fact, Solomon even built an altar to this god Moloch for one or more of his pagan worshiping wives. We see that in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 6. And it sums it up when it says, And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. The road to the split of Israel into two kingdoms was paved by the disobedience of Solomon, inasmuch as he facilitated the worship of false gods in Israel. Associated with this are witchcraft, being familiar spirits in this passage, and wizards in verse 6, we see that. Israel was to have nothing to do with any of these. Notice verse 9, it says, For everyone that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He hath cursed his father or his mother, his blood shall be upon him. Whoa, that certainly seems harsh, doesn't it? Respect for one's elders was a foundational principle among God's people. As a matter of fact, 
Remember commandment number five in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. It says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Verses 10 through 21 repeat the sexual taboos that we first saw in Leviticus chapter 18, verses 6 through 23. You'll note that God judged against these nations for this abhorrent conduct, even though they had not been given the law of Moses. Well, it's like this. Some things are just contrary to natural practices, period. Well, because of this disregard by the nations living within Canaan, God states that he will cast those people out of their land and receive Israel in their place. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 23 in this passage says this, And ye shall not walk in the manner of the nation, which I cast out before you, for they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred them. The same promises are seen in Leviticus chapter 18. In both listings of abhorrent sexual conduct, we find incest, adultery, homosexuality, and bestiality. As a matter of fact, Moses repeats this assertion some 38 plus years later regarding why these Canaanites must be displaced when he addresses it in Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 4. He says this, Speak not thou in thine heart after that the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee, saying, For my righteousness the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord doth drive them out from before thee. So here's my question. Since God obliterated nations who tolerated abhorrent sexual practices in the past, might he still do so today? Well, it's also worth noting the provisions of verse 27. It says, A man also or a woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Sorcery was absolutely forbidden as completely incompatible with God's law. And if you're wondering, it gets thumbs down in the New Testament as well. Just look at Galatians chapter 5 verse 20. In chapter 21, we see that God raises the bar for the priest. Verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, speaking to the priest, the sons of Aaron, and saying to them, There shall none be defiled for the dead among his people. But for his kin that is near unto him, that is, for his mother, and for his father, and for his son, and for his daughter, and for his brother, and for his sister, a virgin, that is nigh unto him, which hath no husband, for her may he be defiled. But he shall not defy himself, being a chief man among his people, to profane himself. They shall not make baldness upon their head, neither shall they shave off the corner of their beard, nor make any cuttings in their flesh. They shall be holy unto their God, and not profane the name of their God, for the offerings of the Lord made by fire. And the bread of their God they do offer, therefore they shall be holy. They shall not take a wife that is a whore, or profane, neither shall they take a woman put away from her husband." For he is holy unto his God. Thou shalt sanctify him therefore, for he offereth the bread of thy God. He shall be holy unto thee, for I the Lord which sanctify you am holy. And the daughter of any priest, if she profane herself by playing the whore, she profaneth her father, she shall be burnt with fire. And he that is the high priest among his brethren, upon whose head the anointing oil was poured, and that is consecrated to put on the garments, shall not uncover his head, nor rend his clothes. 
Neither shall he go into any dead body, nor defile himself for his father or for his mother. Neither shall he go out of the sanctuary, nor profane the sanctuary of his God. For the crown of the anointing oil of his God is upon him. I am the Lord. And he shall take a wife in her virginity, a widow or a divorced woman, or profane or an harlot. These shall he not take, but he shall take a virgin of his own people to wife. Neither shall he profane his seed among his people, for I, the Lord, do sanctify him. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speaking to Aaron, saying, Whosoever he be of thy seed and their generation that hath any blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. For whatsoever man he be that hath a blemish, he shall not approach a blind man or a lame, or he that hath a flat nose, or anything superfluous, or a man that is broken-footed or broken-handed, or crook-back or a dwarf, or that hath a blemish in his eye, or be scurvy or scabbed, or hath his stones broken. No man that hath a blemish of the seed of Aaron, the priest, shall come nigh to offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire. He hath a blemish, he shall not come nigh to offer the bread of his God. He shall eat the bread of his God, both of the most holy and of the holy. Only he shall not go in into the veil, nor come nigh into the altar, because he hath a blemish, that he profane not my sanctuaries, for I the Lord do sanctify them. And Moses told it unto Aaron, and to his sons, and unto all the children of Israel. Now this chapter that we just read, chapter 21, contains some special laws for priests. Contact with the dead was limited, as seen in verses 1-4 through 4, and also verse 11. There were also certain grooming rules by which they had to abide, verses 5 and 6. Notice also that they had some regulations on them, some restrictions with regard to whom they could marry that regular old Hebrew men really didn't have. That's in verse 7. The standard of marriage for the high priest was even more stringent, verse 13. She had to be a naturally born Hebrew virgin. And the priest's daughters were held to a higher standard also, verse 9. Or they faced a horrible execution by fire if they didn't live up to that higher standard. Certain physical characteristics prevented a man from becoming a priest. Those are seen in verses 17 to 24. Those described in those verses could support the tabernacle's Levites, but not as actual priests. The actual priests were descendants of Aaron only, a very small subset of the Levites who would become those responsible for the implementation of Israel's religious life in Numbers chapter 3, where that all takes place. Pay particular attention to Leviticus chapter 21, verse 10. Here's what it says. And he that is the high priest among his brethren, upon whose head the anointing oil was poured, and that is consecrated to put on the garments, shall not uncover his head, nor rend his clothes. Also notice the specification in the instructions given to Aaron, Eleazar, Ithamar, after the untimely deaths of their immediate family members in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 6. Here's what it says. And Moses said unto Aaron, and to Eleazar, and to Ithamar his sons, Uncover not your heads, neither rend your clothes, lest ye die, and lest wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord hath kindled. Now, move forward 15 years and look at the actions of the high priest on the day that Jesus was crucified in Matthew chapter 26, verse 65. Here's what it says. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold now, ye have heard his blasphemy. Now, it certainly seems plausible that God probably 
brought on that outburst by the high priest that day to formally mark the end of the Aaronic priesthood. From that day forward, Jesus Christ would represent the righteousness of God through the priesthood of Melchizedek. Now, if you'd like to see more about the priesthood of Melchizedek, look at the article entitled Melchizedek. Or you can look on the side of the screen of the written notes of BibleTrack.org for this date. So I'd point out that while we have the prohibition here of the high priest ever rending or tearing or splitting his garment, and uh, the, the specification given back in Leviticus chapter 10, lest wrath come upon all the people and lest he die, then I'd make a, a case that that's exactly what Caiaphas did that day when Jesus was crucified when he rent his garment in Matthew 26:65 so it certainly does seem plausible that that would have ended formally the Aaronic priesthood because that day he broke the law of Moses this concludes our podcast for today i am Wayne Turner and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online go to www.bibletrack.org thank you for listening in today The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walton.